Amen. We are uh, in the midst of a series on the Holy Spirit, His power and presence in our lives. And last week we were in Romans chapter 6 and talked about our uh, union with Christ by the Spirit, that one of the works of the Spirit is in indwelling us, is to unite us uh, together as the body of Christ to Christ our head. So as we look this morning, we're going to be talking about uh, the sanctifying role of the Spirit and how our union with Christ becomes the source of a new life. Uh, and the Spirit's work within us to make us more and more like Jesus. And I want to return to Romans chapter 6, 11 to 14, uh, this section of the text that we touched on last week, which has been very important in my my own uh, spiritual life. It's one of those passages that God has really used in terms of shaping my imagination. And so my heart and uh, in approaching this whole life in Christ. So I want to return here and to uh, unpack some of it as time would allow. So we are in Romans chapter 6 verses 11 to 14. Hear then the word of God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions and do not present your members to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but rather present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments of righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under law, but under grace. Pray with me. Father in heaven, we thank you for the amazing and wonderful and powerful truths that are communicated in these verses. We pray that you would uh, write them on our hearts, on our minds, and that you would bring the truth of them into our experience with power, that we might be dead to sin and to live our lives unto you, offering ourselves to you as servants of righteousness. Oh, we long for it. We ask for it in the name of Jesus. Amen. At the outset of the series on the Holy Spirit, I had said that apart from the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit, there would be no Christianity. That there would be no Christianity at all. That what Christ did on the cross would actually save no one, would have no effect on anyone. If the Holy Spirit did not work inwardly to apply and to bring into our lives and experience the fruits and, the tr- and the, I guess the experience of the truths of what Christ had accomplished. There must be this internal work of the Spirit to make what Christ has done real in our lives, in our hearts, in our souls. Calvin says, first, we must understand that as long as Christ remains outside of us and we're separated from Him, then all that He has suffered and done for salvation of the human race remains useless, and of no value to us. All that he is and all that he done, if it remains outside of us, 
is useless unless the Holy Spirit applies it internally. And so understanding the life and the power and the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives is at the core of the spiritual reality that is the Christian life. The Scripture says that when we were dead, we looked at this a couple of weeks ago, that when we were dead, it was the Spirit of God, God the Holy Spirit, who made us alive, who caused us to be born again, who gave us the new heart, who gave us new spiritual life, who began a good work in us, a work of the Holy Spirit, that he will carry on to completion until Christ returns. And so the living Spirit of God that caused us to live is now living in us, and in living in us, he is bringing the fullness of the life that is in Christ to us. And this is the spiritual reality and dynamic that the Scripture wants us to see is our worldview, a life that has been invaded by the presence and power of his Spirit bringing, continuing, animating, and growing a spiritual life in each one of God's children. And so we said last week that it is through the Holy Spirit that we are united to everything that is Christ, to his crucifixion and his death and his burial and his resurrection and his ascension, to all of his work we are connected to through the Holy Spirit so that we also have been crucified and dead and buried and raised again and have been connected to this new life. His perfect life becomes ours. His righteousness becomes our righteousness. Right? We've talked a lot about all that he accomplished in his work on the cross and his death and resurrection, but being connected to his new life means that we're also connected to his righteousness that it becomes our standing before God, our status, our position, that in Christ we are righteous, right? That we are accepted in the presence of God. And as he sits at the right hand of the Father, we too, in a sense, have a share in that seating. We're joined with that seating. And we too sit, even this morning, accepted because we're connected through the abiding presence of the Spirit We come to possess all that is treasured up in Christ as a risen Savior. Sinclair Ferguson says this, but the whole of Christ's life, his death, his resurrection, and his exaltation have, by God's gracious design, provided the living deposit of his sanctified life from which all of our needs now can be supplied. Because of our fellowship, our union with him, we come to share his resources. My friends, that is the key to a life of sanctification. That is the key to a growing life in the likeness of Jesus. To be a Christian is to be someone in whom the Spirit of Christ now lives and reigns, lives and reigns. Romans 8, 9 says, you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you, and anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. Right? You are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If the Spirit of God dwells in you, 
And anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ doesn't belong to him. But anyone who does have the Spirit of Christ does belong to him, is, is in the Spirit and in a new sphere of existence. And this is why he says in verses 11 and 12, to consider yourselves to be dead to sin and consider yourselves to be alive unto God in Christ. To think this way, to believe this way, and to begin to live this way as if it's true because it is true. Consider yourselves dead to sin and to the power of the flesh and alive to God in the power of the Spirit. And these two realities that we're talking about, this dying to sin and being alive unto God, these two pieces are the source of our sanctification. It's out of these two realities, our death to sin and our life to God in the Spirit connected to Christ is the source and the nature of our sanctification. So let me take just a couple of minutes to clarify what it means to be dead to sin. You must consider yourselves dead to sin. He says you are dead to sin. And we need to talk about it briefly because there is some confusion. If you just go on your own and start thinking about what that means, you might come to some wrong conclusions. You might start thinking about uh, what your experience ought to be having been being dead to sin. But we have to go with what the scripture tells us what it means and what it means and it looks like in our experience. We have to let it define for us what that death looks like, right? Dead to sin does not mean that we don't experience its presence in our lives. And there are those who have gone that way, says we're dead to sin, so I shouldn't, I should never be really tempted again, right? Or we should never really struggle with sin. I should never really stumble. You know, we should have, and there's a whole doctrine then of, of the Holy Spirit where we rise above that whole life and struggle, and I never really deal with sin again the way I used to. I won't be tempted, I won't struggle. But what is clear from the scripture is that sin actually remains in our lives as an active presence and an active power. Sin remains. The flesh, that old nature, that, that human nature, my nature apart from the spirit who has come, the, the flesh, sin, the Bible tells us it remains as an active presence and power. And you know this from your experience. I always wonder those who talk about if I'm dead to sin, you know, that we no longer struggle in those ways. I, I just got I can't figure out what goes on in their life and in their head. Because from almost every human being that I've ever met that knows and walks with Jesus, there is this struggle, right? There is this battle, this warfare that we are in. Galatians 5 describes it. The desires of the flesh are against the spirit. So the one in who has the spirit also has within him desires of the flesh. They're there. They're active. They, they promote themselves. And they are anti-spirit. They, they, they are against everything that the spirit wants to do and accomplish in me. There is, at the same time, these desires of the flesh that wants the opposite. Right? And so the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. They're anti-flesh. The spirit is trying to work new things in us that are the death of the flesh. These two are opposed. They live in opposition to each other in our souls and experience, in our lives. They're opposed to each other, and so they keep you from doing the things that you want. 
right? Sometimes the desires of the flesh that are against the spirit keep me from doing the things that I know I want to do in the spirit. That there is this warfare and I don't always win it, right? There's this thing that goes on. The flesh remains as a source of rebellion, a source of sin. But now also for those who are in Christ, the reality is also now the spirit also abides in us right, as a, as a personal power who resists the flesh and promotes a new life. There's a new dominant power in the soul. But because the flesh remains resisting that spirit, we experience tension and opposition and even what the Bible calls a warfare because this is the reality in which we walk day by day. So what does it mean to be dead to sin? If that's not what it means, that, it, that it's gone and it's gone away and I don't have to deal with it anymore, I don't have to struggle with it as, a, as an active presence and power, if that's not what it means, what does it mean? And the short answer to it is, is this. The text tells us that it is no longer the dominant power in your souls. It no longer reigns. It no longer is king. See, before the Spirit came and made us alive, before the Spirit came and took up residence in us as a power of new life, before the Spirit came, the flesh reigned unopposed. Right? We were in the flesh. And he says, now that the Spirit has come, you're no longer in the flesh, but you're in the Spirit. The flesh remains and it haunts your every step. It opposes the life of the Spirit. He says, but now the Spirit has come as the dominant power for your life. The Holy Spirit has brought life and light and grace and power into our souls, uniting us to the risen and reigning Christ, and He is King. And so sin no longer is the flesh no longer is. It no longer reigns as the dominant power. And that's what verse 12 goes on to tell us as we are considering ourselves dead to sin and alive unto God. And then he says, and this is the two things both practically in terms of what we are to believe and to understand. 11 is a summary of verses 1 to 10, right? Because of all that he said in verses 1 to 10, consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God. Verse 12 then is the application of all of that as he begins to tell us how it is to change the dynamic in the way that we live. And so he says, verse 12, let not sin therefore, you can stick therefore at the beginning, therefore let not sin reign in your mortal bodies to make, it, to make you obey it's passions. Do not let sin reign. It used to reign until the Spirit came to set us free so that we're no longer enslaved to sin, no longer subject to its power as the reigning power in our lives. But there is a new power now. Don't let the, don't let the flesh reign. Do not let sin reign, but let the Spirit reign. Let Christ sit on the throne of our souls. We're free to live for God. We don't have to obey its passions and its desires anymore. And so it comes as a command. 
This is the therefore of all that he's been saying. Therefore, don't let it rain. I command you in the name of Jesus and in the power of the Spirit and the things that are true in verse 11, do not let it rain. Act as those who are alive in the Spirit. We don't have to let it, right? This is verse 13. Now, do not present the members of you, you, your members to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but rather you have the freedom and the opportunity and the power and the choice to present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, as those who are alive unto God. And you can offer your members then as instruments of righteousness, to serve your God. And that's why he says in verse 14, sin will have no dominion over you. We said last time, sin shall not be your master. That's how the NIV translated. Sin shall not be. Christ will be your master. You will offer yourself to him. You will serve him. You will love him. And sin is no longer have dominion over you. So utterly important that we believe this because I know we struggle. I know I struggle and as we get here toward the end, we'll say that again because we struggle and we need to know the truth about these things. Sin shall not be your master. Those whom the sun sets free are free indeed. Do you believe that you're free? The freedom to be a new person in Christ and to live as free men and women. So let me just say then, as, as I unpack all this, is to say that to see that your sanctification, that your, your path forward, your, your holy war, so to speak, that we now fight, is the, that flesh that is resisting the spirit and, and the, the spirit that is resisting the flesh, this is, this is the front of your warfare, right? The two fronts that he gives us in verse 11. Two aspects of our sanctification, dying to sin and living as if we're alive unto God and cultivating that life. Cultivating a life that is dead to sin and is more and more alive unto God, that is your sanctification. That is the work of the Spirit, the good work that he has begun, uniting you to Christ so that you're dead to your sin and so we can begin to put it to death and making you alive unto God in Christ so that we can begin to live and to serve Christ, these are the fronts of our warfare, dying to sin, living unto God. And sanctification is that work of the Holy Spirit enabling us to apply and to experience the truths that he's talking about here so that more and more flesh and sin are more and more weakened, right? More and more put off, more and more put to death. Right? That's the work of sanctification, the work of the Spirit enabling us to say no to sin and to ungodliness, to put it off and to put it to death. And the Spirit enabling us more and more to worship and to know and to love and to serve and to walk with God in the presence, in the power of His Spirit. These are the two fronts of our warfare. Life in the Spirit is the key. Some of you guys collect 50 cent words, you know, so for those of you who like 50 cent words, here's a couple for you. And theologians and Bible, as they talk about these two things, they use the word mortification in, in, in terms of our sanctification is made up of two things, mortification and vivification. 
right? To mortification, vivification. You're writing those down. <clears throat> you know, and in mortify, you hear the word like mortician, right? You hear the word someone who deals with the dead. Mortification is to put to death something, right? And to vivify, you hear vivacious in there, right? It, it's, it's, it's bringing life and nurturing life in something. And so this is the two fronts of our warfare, the mortifying of our sin and the vivifying, the nurturing of the life that is ours in Christ. Because of the accomplished reality that we are dead to sin in Christ, and by the same spirit, we daily begin to put it to death. It is the thing that we begin to do daily in the presence and power of the spirit. Because of the accomplished reality that is in Christ, it is poured out and accomplished in our experience day by day, right? And then because of the accomplished reality of our resurrection with Christ, we are daily nurturing a new and vibrant spiritual life. And these are the two things you should be about every day, right? And, and, and in some ways, I'm saying this is not just, you know, a little slice over here or something to think. This is, this is a way to rethink and to redo your entire life with, the, with these things at the core of what God is doing in your life. Putting down, putting to death, putting off sin, and growing and strengthening and nurturing a life that is deep and close to him. This is why Paul in Ephesians 4 says this. My friends, put off your old self. It belongs to your former manner of life. It's corrupt through its deceitful desires which are against the spirit. And be renewed in the spirit of your minds, in the spirit of verse 11, where you consider yourself dead to sin and alive unto God. Be re renewed in the spirit of your minds and now Put on the new self, day by day, a new self created to be like God in righteousness and holiness. These are the two fronts of your warfare. Putting off, putting to death, and putting on and strengthening and nurturing. Realizing our union and that side of life, you know, it's just realizing our union. It's like said before and use the illustration, I kind of like the idea that at a wedding I declare two people, or if you were married, you were declared on that day, the two are no longer two, but one. But you have to spend the rest of your lives figuring out what that means. The rest of your lives making it truer, you know, realizing it in your experience that after 10 and 20 and 30 and so many years of marriage that you are more and more one. And this is the side of alive unto God more and more, the same in our relationship with him, to press daily and to know him and to love him, to die to ourselves, to live for him in a life that is closely knit together with his, to feed and nurture the spiritual life, to grow strong. I don't have time to go into, there's a whole sermon on mortifying sin in our lives and how we go about it. There's a whole sermon on vivifying the, the spiritual life and nurturing and strengthening and growing that. I'm just going to leave that in your imagination, so to speak, for now. It's something to think about, what in your life is deadening to your sin and, or deadening to the spiritual life. Let us not grieve the spirit or, or quench the spirit, but rather to fan it to flame in our lives. But let me just give you a few, I guess, more 
as we think about applying it, a few more things that you need to think about as you go from here as we the weapons of our warfare. Number one is, is a realism. And it's one of the beautiful things about the scripture is it's realism. It doesn't paint, you know, this, this glossy picture that hides all the blemishes and the, and the stuff. It, 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 it paints a, a realistic picture of our warfare and of the things that, that I'm talking about. We see it in the lives of saints throughout the scripture and we see it in the teaching. It doesn't paint this thing that, that is up there and unattainable. It, 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 it very realistically understands the remaining presence and power of sin that resists the spirit and the life of the spirit. And so we should not be surprised by it. I spent a number of years in my Christian life really wandering in circles because I did not realize and understand why I continue to struggle with sin. I've been a Christian for a bunch of years. Why do I continue to struggle? Why? I shouldn't be tempted like this. I shouldn't struggle like this. I shouldn't stumble like this. I shouldn't, you know, I, I should be better than this. You know, I'm, I'm all these things, you know, I'm a, I'm a Christian. But realistically, Truly, biblically, and according to all of it, is to have to not be surprised by this warfare. But that he paints a very vivid picture of it for us. That you are going to experience this opposition in your souls. The flesh is opposed to everything spiritual. When you don't feel like it, right? I don't feel like going to church. I don't feel like studying my Bible. I don't feel like being nice. I don't feel like forgiving them. I don't feel like there's a thousand things that are biblically right and true, that, that vivify the spiritual life, that feed it and strengthen it, being in the scripture, being in prayer, being with God's people in fellowship, being in worship. These are the things that feed the soul, strengthen that spiritual life, encourage us and, and consecrate us and do all those things. And when you don't feel like it, it is devastating to not realize that is literally the flesh resisting the spirit. And when we give into it, when we serve it, when we, when we don't fight it, right? When we stop fighting the flesh and putting it off and, and saying no and saying yes to the things that are life and no to the things that we know rob us, right? We have to understand this realism the flesh resists every spiritual urge that you have. It wants you, it does not want you to wax strong in the spirit. And if you don't see that that's what's going on, you will not fight the good fight. Realism, to believe that freedom is possible, to believe that sin is not your master, and to start saying no to those impulses and yes to the impulses of the Spirit, and to go strong in, in saying yes to Him, even denying ourselves and our feelings and our laziness and whatever it else is that is there, to start denying those things, taking up our cross, and following Jesus and waxing strong. Some of you feel trapped by patterns of sin. I know it. Deep habits. You don't feel like you're free from the bondage of sin. There are things that, you've, that have not gone away. You don't want to gossip. Hopefully. You don't want to be proud. Hopefully. 
You, know, you, don't, you don't want to look at things that you shouldn't be looking at, hopefully. You don't want those things. You feel trapped in those things. Number one is you need to believe that freedom is possible or you will never experience it. You must believe that Christ is king and he is the dominant power of your soul. Or you will not experience that power. You will continue to yield in places you should not. And I will tell you this, and maybe this is the last, is moving from here. Too many people in this dual front of the warfare, putting sin to death and vivifying the life of the spirit, too many people focus on putting sin to death to the neglect of the spiritual. In fact, they think, I can't really go be spiritual with Jesus until I get this taken care of, get this put out of my life, get victory over here. I can't even really face him, you know, until... So we, we often grit our teeth and try so hard to conquer our sin in our own strength. Let me just tell you, you can't, you won't. That's why you're losing. That's why you're trapped. Because your focus is is on putting sin to death rather than simultaneously in what you must believe is that you are alive unto God in Christ and you stand righteous in him and you don't have to get your life together before you can come to him for help. You need to live in his presence every day. If you're not vivifying, strengthening your walk with him, your love for him, being filled with his spirit, nurturing this life in him, and this is where we wax strong so that we can actually be successful in putting sin out of our lives because it is a work work of the Spirit. We need to be full of the Spirit. We need to be alive unto Him in Christ, and that is to nurture the spiritual side of life with all your passion and determination so that we would have success. Let's start there and leave it there. It is here and this where sin begins to lose its grip on us in his presence and in his power. It is here that Christ comes to reign in our souls as king. Pray with me. Father in heaven, we recognize the power of remaining sin. We recognize the temptation. We recognize its, its impulses. And Father, give us eyes to see how we have surrendered to those impulses how we have failed to see the spiritual warfare, the nature of what's going on. Oh, open our eyes that we may see the presence and power of a risen Christ in the presence of his spirit that we might fight the good fight, that we might wax strong in the spirit. Come near and write these things on our souls that we may go forth in the power of your spirit to wage war on the flesh and sin, the devil in the world. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.